Welcome to Waymaker Church Podcast. The heart of the house is that these messages would help you to encounter, live for, and advance the kingdom of God. Enjoy this week's message. Good morning and happy Mother's Day to all our mamas out there. If you're a mom, I want you to go ahead and stand up because I think you deserve that honor of a big round of applause, okay? So go ahead and stand up. Let's give them applause. All right, y'all can be seated. Okay, so if you guys don't know me, my name is Vanessa Netzloff, and I am the children's pastor here. Um, You usually don't see me because I'm running around in the back, (laughs) loving on all those kiddos, and it is definitely an honor to love on them and pour Jesus into them, and it's definitely an honor to love and pour Jesus into God's kids right here today and this morning. I'm quite excited about this. Um, When um, I got the okay that I'd be able to come and speak this morning, to come up here into the adult service (laughs) that I don't usually get to be in, um, it was really funny because uh, Josh and Pastor Josh and Joel and Marcus, they, um, uh, they were running around giving me all their sermon notes and their layouts, and they're like giving me advice, and like, okay, here's, here's how we do it, here's the procedure of how we lay out everything, and how you can speak really well to the congregation, and, and I'm like, that's awesome, and I'm listening to them, and then I just heard the Lord say to me, he goes, Vanessa, you don't need their armor, and I was all, okay, okay, it's like, I don't need their armor. And um, it made me think about the story of David and Goliath. Have you heard the story of David and Goliath? Yeah? Raise your hand. Give me a big hand raise. Okay, I like interaction because I'm used to working with kids. Next time I'll ask you to pat your head and rub your belly. No, I won't. I won't do that. I won't do that. I'll save that for later. But um, anyways, if you don't know the story of David and Goliath, I'm going to give you a quick recap of it just to fill in any new newbies. Okay? All right, so David was the son of Jesse, and he was the youngest of eight sons, okay? Now, he was the weakest and the one that wasn't really seen. He was usually off tending the sheep, all right? Well, one day, his father, Jesse, asked him, he said, I want you to go down to the battle where the um, Israel army is fighting the Philistines because three of his brothers were down there, and he was asked to go and take them some food and a few, you know, just a few other little things. And so he went, he was obedient to his father, and he went down there, and when he got down there, he sees this big old giant, giant, it was a giant, (laughs) and his name was Goliath, okay? And so Goliath, he, what he was doing is he would come every morning and every evening, and he would challenge the Israelites. Well, the Israelites, because Goliath was like nine feet tall, they were very intimidated by him. And so they wouldn't, they they pretty much were just stunned in fear. And nobody was taking action and nobody was doing anything about it. And so when David saw this, it made him think, okay, hold on. This is God's army. He was like, why isn't anybody stepping up? Who's going to do this? And he talked to a few of the other soldiers and not much really came out of it besides he found out that there was a reward. That there was going to be a reward for the, the person who slayed this giant. And so that got David thinking, (laughs) and David's like, well, you know what? I'll do it. I know God. I know that God showed up when that lion came and tried to take those sheep, because that's what happened. I know God when he showed up when that bear came. 
But see, David already had encountered God. And um, he was starting to already um, get this thing that I call God confidence. He was confident that his God would show up. And so what's a giant, right? So David gets up and he's like, you know what? I'll do it. And so he goes to King Saul, who was the king at the time. Um, and he was head over the Israel army. And he goes and he says, I'm going to do this. I can do it. I'll, I'll take down that Goliath. And the king was like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then you're going to need some protection. And so the king gives him his armor. And David, like I told you, he was the youngest of his brothers, and he wasn't exactly the strongest either. So he was feeling pretty weighed down by this other man's armor, okay? And he knew this was just going to hold him back from fighting that giant. And so what he did is he took a sling, which is not necessarily a slingshot, but it was more like a rope with a little sack or something on it, I don't know. And he would just like swing it around, okay? And that's how he would, what he did is he'd take a stone, put it in there, swing it, throw it, launch it, do his thing. And so he's like, I'll just go and use what I have, okay? And so that's what he did. He went out there on that battlefield, and guess what that giant did when he saw him? He laughed in his face. He laughed right in his face. Did David get discouraged? He didn't, because what did he have? He had God confidence. And so, <laughs> with all that God confidence and a sling and five smooth stones, I believe is what it says, he took one of those stones and he put it in his sling and he swinged it around and he knocked that giant right between the eyes and guess what? That giant fell to his death. And so when the Lord spoke to me and he said, Vanessa, you don't need their armor, I knew, you know what? I don't got to be as strong as Joel, and I don't got to be as smart and capable when it comes to music as Josh, and I definitely don't have to be as witty as Pastor Marcus, <laughs> but what I did need, I needed God confidence. I needed to know who God was in me and who God was for me, and that he was going to show up when I needed to slay this sermon, Okay. That's good, you know it. <laughs> uh, that is good, yeah. So I titled this message, Battle Ready. Because what God wants to do today is he wants to get each one of you ready to fight those battles, those Goliaths that are in your life. He wants you to be so full of his confidence that he's going to show up in your parenting He's going to show up in your messy um, relationships, that he's going to show up in the issue of the addiction that you're struggling with. I truly, honestly believe that that's what God's going to do. He's going to give you such a God confidence today. And I'm excited to be the one to help bring that to you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, so let's pray, all right? All right, Father God, we may not be the strongest, we may not be the t most talented, the most qualified, the most holy, or even the most noticed, but you have already given each one of us a sling and a stone, and I thank you that today you are choosing to identify what the sling and the stone look like and how we are going to use them for these battles in life. God, we invite you here to be every every bit of the power behind every word, the power behind every prayer, and the power behind every action that will take place here today.
May every man, woman, and child be refreshed by the watering and the washing of your word. We seal this hope and decree in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, so I want to stick with the story of David, because we're already there. We might as well continue. So I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I'm going to start reading in verse 5, okay? All right. And he said, now this is Samuel. He was a prophet, okay? And so Samuel is going, I'm going to give you a quick... um, just summary of what's actually taking place here. So Samuel was a prophet, and he was going to anoint one of the sons in the, in, um, for Jesse. So Jesse, <laughs> kind of messing that up there. But anyways, <laughs> he was going to the house of Jesse to anoint one of his sons, and David, guess what? He just happened to be one of those sons. So here we go. So Samuel said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sacrifice, sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he created, consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at the first son. I'm not even going to try to pronounce names, people. Just please move on, okay? And said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called the second son and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made the third brother passed by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. I want to point out to you guys the very first thing that stood out to me. And that was the fact that it wasn't David's strength. It wasn't his appearance. It wasn't his greatest talents that he carried and the skills that he knew that got God's attention. You know what it was? It was his heart. The condition of his heart. God knew he was a man with a really good heart. So I want to ask you today, where is your heart at? Where's your heart? When God looks at your heart, what does he see? Does he see an obedient a submissive, a loving, a kind, a worshiper? What does he see in your heart? Because that's what he's looking at. You guys, if you want God's attention, if you want to have the God confidence, knowing that he hears every one of your prayers, then you got to get your heart right. We got to start there. I'm going to take you to 2 Chronicles 
If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You guys, if you're dealing with emotional healing that you need, if you need physical healing, or even if you just need somebody to come into your house, you need God to come and change the atmosphere of your home, if you need that, then we got to get our hearts right. We got to get into a place of humility. We got to go and say, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to get humble before you and I'm going to seek your face and I'm going to look in your word. And I'm not just going to be a hearer of your word, but I'm going to be a doer of it. Right? Because I tell you what, when we get that sin out of our lives, that's when times of refreshing can come. Okay, because, you know what, I'm just going to go straight to this scripture, Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If you're not feeling refreshed in your life right now, if you're feeling like things are dry, that things are stuck, that something is not moving, something is not flowing, then it's probably not. So what I'm saying is get on your face, get on your knees, and say, God, what's in the way? What is keeping the, the flow of heaven's waters, that refreshing of your spirit from coming in and totally cleansing my home, cleansing the heart of my kids, cleansing all of me? What is holding that back? What has clogged those pipes, God? And I'll tell you what, sin doesn't always look like, oh, I'm doing this horrible thing because I don't love God and blah, blah, blah. It's not, it's not like that. Sometimes sin is just because you haven't forgiven somebody. Sometimes sin looks like you don't believe what God says about you. Think about that. How many of you absolutely 100% you know and you will never forget and you are rooted and you are grounded so strongly in your identity in Christ that you always believe that he has a reward for you around the corner? Okay? Because I guarantee you some of us forget that. We forget that it's our job to believe who he says he is. That it's our job to believe that he has a reward for us. Hey, David knew there was a reward coming. And I guarantee you that just gave him a little more courage to step out on the battlefield. Well, you know what? There's a reward for each one of you too. You know, God wants to be on our side. He wants to fight battles with you. And guess what? He also wants to fight some of them for you. But if he hasn't been invited to be on your team, if you haven't said, you know what, God, you can actually be on my side and help me with this, if you haven't asked him to do that, then guess what? He's going to wait patiently because he is a good father, because he is a patient God, because he is not a God that throws himself on you or at you or says, guess what? You better choose me or you're going to die. That's not how God is. No, he's a good father that waits patiently and says, hey, come on home. I know how to take care of that mess. I know how to take care of that issue. I know how to get rid of that addiction. Trust me, I got you. But we got to let him on our side, you guys. You know, God sent his son to die on the cross, right? 
And he died on that cross. And then he rose from that grave. And he did it for you, right? He did it because he loved you. You know, okay, this isn't just a sob story, but I feel like this is a good point to bring up. I lost a daughter when she was a month old. Okay, and it tore me up. It, I lost six years of my life because of the pain of losing a child. If anybody's ever lost a child, I'm going to tell you right now, God can heal that pain. He has done it for me, and he's restored all the joy that I lost in those six years, and he's still given more. But I'm going to tell you right now, God lost a child too. And he willingly knew that he was going to have to lose that child so that he wouldn't lose you, his child. So he gave up one child so that he could receive millions of children. Right? That's good, guys. God loves you that much. He loves you so much that he sent his son so that you wouldn't miss the moment where your back got healed and the tears of joy came because you could run and you could jump. God allowed his son to die so the moment when your child came home you would get to experience that. The moment when you stopped needing that addiction, that's why Jesus died. So that you could experience that moment. God is just really good, you guys. You know, God's heart is for us. He loves us. For you to have confidence in God, like I said, we have to invite him on our side. And doing that looks like receiving Jesus. It starts there. It starts there by picking up Jesus as the rock of your salvation, you guys, and saying, you know what? I can't have God confidence if I don't even have Jesus. It starts with Jesus. It starts with believing who Jesus is and that he came for you. I'm going, I know this sounds elementary, but you guys, it is literally the foundation and the basis of how we, how we take out giants. It starts with knowing Jesus. You guys, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, okay? I love this, what the Lord told me. He said, if you say yes to Jesus, you will know the way to go. You will know the truth to believe, and you will begin to see what life could really be. I just love that. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, when we grab a hold of Jesus, and we grab a hold of who he really says he is, and we begin to believe that, I'll tell you what, those pipes of heaven are just going to overflow. You're going to start tapping into heaven's benefits, and it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. You guys, David had faith in God. And his faith grabbed God's attention. He knew God would show up for him. And I want each one of you to know that God's going to show up for you. Um, 1 Samuel 16, 7. I'm going to go back to that one. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Again 
It was his heart that God was looking at. It was David's heart that got God's attention. So we go back, start by getting our heart right. Okay? Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think we forget about that. I'm really bringing that up because it's good. God wants to reward us. He wants us to believe that he's going to reward us. Um, (laughs) You know, if we've been saved a long time, because some of us have, I want you to take a minute to search your heart. Okay, because I had to do that. I had to take a minute a couple months ago and I'm like, what is happening? There is not the overflow that I need to be experiencing right now. And I have a whole lot of kids to pour into back there. So God, you better fill me up. And he said, well, I'm trapped up in your bones. So you better let me out. I was all, well, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> What's keeping you stuck inside? You know, and he's like, you need to stop hating your husband. That's right. I said that. He's right here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was all, oh, snap. <laughs> I was like, okay, God. But there had been some issues and some things in the past that had really broken my heart, and, and I didn't realize that I was still holding on to those things. I, had, I was still having this disdain when I looked at him that shouldn't have been there. And God couldn't move through me because he's love. He's not hate. And so how do I release God if all I'm releasing is hate? I cannot do that. So I had to search my heart and I had to say, okay, Lord, I give you this hate because it's murder. I'm murdering my brother. I'm not loving him. And so I had to give that to God. And when I did that and I gave that to him and I fasted and I prayed and I saw God's face and I got in his word and I was not just a doer, hearer of it, but I was a doer of it. There was a breakthrough. There was an overflow from heaven. And it saturated me, and that is why I'm able to be up here preaching today, because God is good, and he honors his word. So, do you believe who he says he is? That's the first question I have for you. The second one is one I keep saying over and over again. (laughs) Do you believe he will reward you for your faithfulness? Did you know that parenthood is very mundane? (laughs) It's wiping a butt, wiping another butt, wiping it again. (laughs) It's giving a bottle, (laughs) helping your kids stay on their homework, get their chores done. It's nonstop mundane over and over and over again. But if you're faithful... God will reward it. You guys, your salvation and faith in Jesus is going to be the stone, that rock, that's going to slay that giant. You want to know why? Because when the enemy starts saying you're not good enough, when he starts saying you really are crap at your (laughs) parenting, you are not a very good wife, You are not enough. You are not, you are not, you are not, you are not. You will be able to say, you are right. I am not enough, but it is not I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives within me, and he is enough, right? And we'll take that rock, 
Jesus and we'll be able to throw it in the face of the enemy and he will fall down dead. <laughs> and then every time you start hearing the enemy screaming at you, you'll be able to start singing. Because your praise will get louder than his voice. As you begin to develop that confidence in him and that joy in Christ. And you know, you know what? Whatever battle comes my way, whatever giant gets in my way, I know who I am in him. That is your rock. Jesus is your rock. All right. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to take you back to 1 Samuel 15. Now, this is right before the story we read about David. This is going back to the story of King Saul. Now, if you remember, he was the... Excuse me, I don't have my water. Can you give me water, please, babe? Um, He was the king... Thank you, love. He was the king who was head over the Israel army when David was fighting Goliath. But the reason Samuel, the prophet, had to go to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons king was because Saul was losing his throne. And he was losing his throne because of disobedience. Here we go. 1 Samuel 15. Now, because of time, I just want to kind of, like, I might skip one or two of the verses as we go down. But here we go. 1 Samuel 15, number one. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint King Saul over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. I'm going to skip down to verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag, don't know if that's how you say it, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that, that is what they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Skip down to verse 13. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleating of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest they have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. Stay with me, guys. (laughs) I am washing you in the word, okay? So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, 
Were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did they not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgah. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and get this, and stubbornness is as iniquity and adultery. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Galatians 5.9 says this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You guys, Saul obeyed, but he only obeyed partially. He went out on his mission, but he didn't fulfill his mission. He was not fully obedient. So here's a simple illustration I like to bake. So if you take a half scoop, <laughs> of obedience, and you dump it in your bowl of life, but then you take a half scoop of lovely disobedience and you dump it into your bowl of life, the only thing you're gonna get in your bowl of life is sin. Because sin is sin, okay? It will contaminate your whole bowl, your whole life. When we become right in our own opinion, and we begin to compromise our obedience, we begin to compromise our favor with God. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Do not compromise your favor with God because he wants to give you a whole lot of it. But if you're allowing sin in your life because you don't want to do what he's asked you to do fully because it scares you, don't hinder that. God wants to overwhelm you with reward and overwhelm you with blessing and overwhelm you with his favor. That's his heart. That is his heart. But we still have a part, you guys. We still have a part. Proverbs 3, 7 says this, do not be right in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You guys, how many of us have said yes to God? Huh? How many of us? <laughs> Okay, quite a few. If you have not yet, then we're going to give you that opportunity. But right now, if you've said yes to God, then that's awesome. But have you risen up to everything God's asked you to do? Have you stepped out and started doing everything he's asked you to do? Because while you're not doing everything he's asked you to do, you're also praying, God, where's my favor? I'll tell you where your favor is. It's on the other side of sin. I'm sorry if that sounds harsh. I'm, I love you all. So 
going to go back to baking. <laughs> That's nicer. <laughs> One thing that I, I noticed with baking bread is when you make the dough and you set it on the counter, it will rise. But it could also fall. But if you leave it out on the counter for like two to four hours at room temperature, what usually happens is it doubles in size and it's perfect. And you take that dough and you put it in your bread pans or whatever. You have to put it in heat. You get me? You have to put it in the fire. All right? And then once it goes through that fire, it becomes bread. It fulfills its purpose of being bread. And what does that bread do? It feeds others, right? But if you take that dough and you leave it on the counter overnight, what will happen is it'll sit for so long that it will rise and it will rise and it will rise, but then it will collapse on the weight of itself and it will fall. If you stay at rest too long, what ends up happening is you will fall under the weight of yourself. And what I mean by that is this. If we stay in a place of rest too long, afraid to take action, afraid to go into the fire to face our fears, what will happen is we will become puffed up, that we will eventually fall. What comes before a fall? Pride. That's right. <laughs> Pride comes before a fall, you guys. We were designed to rest, just like Pastor Joel spoke last week. We need that. Take it. Take rest. We need to rest. Especially you come out of a season of needing, and God's been working on you hard. You need to take a season of rest. But don't stay there. I'm encouraging you to get up, get moving, even if it's scary. Even if it means you're going through the fire. Because when you get on the other side of that, if you're obedient... What happens? You become the bread of life to other people. Yeah. That's, come on, that is good. It's very, taste and see that the Lord is good, you guys. He is very good. <laughs> and he's going to use you to be tasty and good to other people. I love that. <laughs> but there's this too. When we only watch the ones who do, we begin to think that we can do better but yet we never do. Don't allow fear, oh yeah, don't allow fear to keep you in a place of rest to the point where you become prideful, puffed up, and then set up for a fall. Think about that. You get too comfortable just sitting there knowing that, you know, God's on my side, so I'm gonna sit here and watch all these people do everything wrong. All we're doing is setting ourselves up for a fall. Because we're not going to supposed to be leaning on ourselves. We're supposed to be leaning on God. And we can only do that as we allow him to push us through that fire. You guys, if you've said yes to God, then just like Saul, you've been given a mission. Now, if you choose to fulfill that mission, <laughs> it's going to be your choice. That mission is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Everything. Obey everything. Teach them how to obey everything. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's your mission. That right there is your mission. Now, if we're to fulfill that mission, we first have to start by obeying it. Okay? We can't say, okay, God, that's what I want to do. I'm so excited. I want, to, I want to go and raise up disciples and do all these wonderful things, and you're with me. But then we never move. We just sit there staring at everybody who's doing it wrong. Right? <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Catch that. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Now here's your promise. Exodus 19, 5. Now, if you obey me fully, say fully, Fully. thank you, and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, God gave this promise to the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt. But guess what? When we receive Jesus, when we say, yes, Jesus, you're on my side. I want you in my life. I want you to help me fight every battle. I literally want to see you take down that Goliath. When you say that, you are grafted into that promise. Okay? You are a kingdom of priests. You are a holy nation. You guys are his treasured possession. Now grab this. Your obedience is the sling that's going to launch you into promise and destiny. All the things that God's been speaking to you, the promises, the dreams, the things you've been having, he is so going to honor those. He, in fact, he put them there because he wants them. He wants to see it happen. But again, we have a part. We get up, we take action, we walk through the fire, and we watch that promise unfold. It's going to happen. You guys, your obedience is a weapon. It's not a burden you carry. When you grab a hold of obedience and you use it to launch Jesus (laughs) at the enemy, it's not as heavy as you think to be obedient. It's not as hard as you think because when you love God, when you know that he's going to show up for you, when you're God confident that the rock of your salvation is on your side and he's going to take out any giant, you are so willing to be obedient because you love him. And just like a child loves his mother, they'll be obedient at times and they'll say they're sorry, you know. But we have a father And for us to grab a hold of that promise, we have to be obedient to our Father. I'm going to close with this. Um, Genesis chapter 24. It's a story about Abraham. 
and he has a son named Isaac, and uh, what he wants to do is he wants to reward his son with a bride, okay? And so what he does is he asks his servant, will you go and bring back a bride for my son? And his servant was like, well, what if she doesn't want to come back? Like, what if I run into this woman, and I know it's the one God has for him, but she doesn't want to come with me. And God said, well, then you're really, or not God, sorry. Then Abraham said, you're released from that vow. Okay? You see, God knows our hearts. And if we are willing to be obedient, that's what matters. It's not the outcome of the task. Because guess what? Man has will, free will. And sometimes God will say, go pray for that person. And you'll walk over there and you'll go to pray for them. Like They're like, do not touch me. Okay? And they're like, I don't want you praying for me. You don't have to be sad about that. Like, I mean, well, it's kind of a sad thing that they don't want prayer. But I mean, you don't have to get down on yourself because the task wasn't 100% fulfilled the way you thought God wanted it to be. Okay? When your child runs out of your home being disobedient and rebellious and you put everything you have into that child... Just because the task of you raising them in a godly manner didn't look the way you thought it would for a moment, you're not the failure. Okay? You're not a failure. You are obedient, and that will still give you a reward. You keep praying and you stay in that faithfulness, that child's going to walk back through that door. You know, the story continues with the servant arriving at a well, like a water well, okay? And making a request to God. And um, I'm going to go ahead and read it. (laughs) It won't take but a minute. It's just good. I say good a lot because God is good, okay? All right. So you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it quickly. In Genesis chapter 24, I'm going to go to verse 13. I'll read 220. Okay. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. But by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened just as he said before he could even speak finish speaking, what happens? Rebecca shows up on the scene. And Rebecca does exactly what he asked for God. Before he, the servant finished speaking to God, God had already had a plan to fulfill the task, to fulfill the promise. Okay? And so what happens is Rebecca, the servant comes to her and he goes, will you give me a drink? She pulls that picture down and she gives him a drink. And guess what she says? Let me water your camels too. Now we know they're camels, so they probably drink a lot of water. So it was probably a thing that took a long time. It wasn't an easy task. It was a hard one. It was probably a little heavy and weighty and exhausting for Rebecca, but she was faithful. And she continued to water those camels. And the thing that's so cool about that is I think, I imagine Rebecca's parents. 
And I imagine how they must have really poured into her well. You guys, our kids are like wells, and we pour into them God, or we pour into them the world. I say pour into them God, okay? And so as, um, anyways, as uh, she's watering these camels and doing all this stuff, um, what, what I think about is how faithful her parents must have been to show her the right way to do things, to show her how to be a servant. Because when her time, when her moment came, and she didn't even know it was her moment that she was about to receive a husband and like a whole new life, you guys, like away from her family, like land and cattle probably and this, all this. I think she was about to get a whole new life and she had no idea, but she was faithful and she was ready. When we continue to prepare ourselves and we allow others to pour into us, we begin to be ready for the moment, the suddenly that might come our way. Because God's got one set up for each one of you. Remember, he has a reward for you. I wanna, I wanna end with this. We wanna pour into our kids. And a lot of you are really good at it already. Awesome parents. But before we can pour Jesus into others, we gotta get Jesus in us, right? But if we're broken from the battles and God's trying to pour out and we as broken vessels, all we're gonna do is we're gonna leak. And all that water, all that stuff he's pouring into us is just going everywhere. It's not gonna fill us. It's not gonna give us the ability to pour into others. We have to get our hearts right. We have to grab a hold of Jesus, the rock of our salvation. We gotta get into a place of obedience so that we can sling that faithfulness at the enemy. And then as we do that, we begin to allow Jesus to pour into us as he heals us. And we get filled up so much that we can really pour into our kids and we can get them ready for their moment there suddenly. The moment where they're able to refresh others in their schools, where they're able to refresh their friends or their friends' parents, (laughs) all because we got ready for battle. We got Jesus in our lives and we got in a place of obedience. Thank you for listening to the Waymaker Podcast. To simply connect, or if this message ministered to you and you would like to support the ministry, you can simply go to waymakerchurch.org.